Wine you. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to Wine You Wish Upon a Star. I'm your host, Brenna Peo. I'm your other host, Joe Peo. And we'd like to welcome you to this week of Wine You Wish Upon a Star. I already said that. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we watched A Lady in the Tramp. Yeah. Everyone, go to your DVD cabinets, grab Lady in the Tramp, put it on, watch it, and then come back. We'll wait. Brenna and I both had the same revelation as the opening credits of this movie started, which was, neither of us remembers what happens in Lady and the Tramp. (laughs) I know everybody knows the, like, pivotal scenes. The dogs share a kiss over spaghetti. There's the cats. That's all anyone remembers. Yeah, that's about it. Go watch this movie. It's a really cute movie. What's our wine that we had for this? Well, of course, we had to go as authentic as possible. If you'll look at your DVD box that you've grabbed from your DVD cabinet, on the cover is Lady and the Tramp at the pivotal scene eating spaghetti at Tony's. And they have a bottle of Chianti. That is the bottle of wine that's kind of, for lack of a better term, squat. Like it's it's a pick on the bottom. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's a weird shape bottle. Like its butt is big. Okay. And then they put a grass skirt on its butt. Yes. (laughs) It's a very visual description of what a Chianti bottle looks like. (laughs) Well, you describe it. It's squat. Thank you. So we went to our local Italian restaurateur and found uh, a bottle that looked just like that. The Chianti that we got is this brand called Romanelli. At our local Italian restaurant, we got it uh, because it was kind of a size up from a normal bottle. It carries uh, one and a half liters, but whoever labeled it kind of messed up. (laughs) And they said that it was 1.5 milliliters. We thought we were just getting a taste of the wine. (laughs) So what did you think of the wine? Well, it's your typical italian bistro wine yeah it's, like it's it's table wine yeah it's table wine it's, it's not bad there's nothing great it's not meant to be showcased really it's supposed to complement the food which i think it did because we definitely gorged ourselves on yeah some italian we food. ate spaghetti and meatballs and garlic bread oh it was good so let's get into this movie oh my gosh i loved this movie like i've not felt so excited to watch one of these movies as i have today the movie starts out, uh, well, it's got the credits over the, the, the start of it. Well, first we had to pick widescreen versus full screen. It's very important to pick this, apparently. I will get to that as a fun fact later. Okay. Fun fact preview with Joe Pale. No previews. One of the things that is mentioned in the opening credits that I did not realize until recently is that the music, for the most part, was all written by Peggy Lee and Sonny Burke. And Peggy Lee, most people know her as the singer of the song Fever. I didn't realize that she was kind of brought on as the songwriter. Like, she was a major celebrity at the time. I guess it's kind of the equivalent of later on when they would bring in uh, Elton John to do some of the music for The Lion King. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I'm on board. Uh, The movie is dedicated to all dogs, as it should be. All ladies and all tramps. All dogs, because there's nothing better than the wag of a dog's tail. That's one of the opening quotes that they put on the screen, that there are many things in life that uh, that can be bought, but one thing cannot be, and that's the wag of a dog's tail. Oh my gosh. I want all the dogs. 
I need all the dogs now. Send me your dogs. Oh, please don't. The movie opens, and it's Christmas. I didn't know this was a Christmas movie. Yeah, first and last scene are take place over Christmas. So it doesn't really say when it takes place, but it's supposed to take place around 1909 in a small town that's based on Marceline, Missouri. And the reason why this date and this location was picked was because this is based on where Walt Disney grew up. So a lot of the buildings and streets and everything were based on the experiences that he had growing up. We have an aerial shot of the city. It's all covered in snow. And we go closer and closer into this home where you see a young couple with presents underneath their Christmas tree and they're handing them out to each other. And the man, his name is Jim Deere. Well, we don't know that yet. Well, you hear them talking to each other and they just keep calling each other Jim Deere and Darling. Yeah, Jim Deere. And so Jim Deere hands a hat box to uh, presumably his wife. But we only know her as Darling. And he's like, here you go, Darling. And, she and she's o- like, oh, it's, it's like- the exact one I wanted. It has the ribbons and the pink and the... And she's like describing this hat and he's like, well... It's got a ribbon, and she opens it up, and it's Lady with a ribbon on her head. Lady's a little cocker spaniel. She's a golden cocker spaniel. Um, I have a fun fact here. Mm. Fun, fun facts, facts with, with Joe, Joe Payo. <laughs> so, uh, fun fact here. This scene was based on a real-life event in Walt Disney's life. Oh! Now, the cuter version of the story is that it happened just like this. It was Christmas, and he gave his wife a hat box, and she opened it up, and there was a dog. And she loved it, and they lived happily ever after. Yep, you can stop there. You can just stop. I don't want to know any sadder version. It's not that. It's not sad. The less happy one is that Walt Disney and his wife, not around Christmas, uh, had a date scheduled, and he totally forgot about it. And... He tried to beg for his wife's forgiveness by showering her with gifts, and one of the gifts was a hat box with a dog inside, which she loved, actually. Okay, so in each case, like, the dog is loved and everything's fine. Yes. Okay, then each story is fine. (laughs) I'm okay with either one. But in one of them, it's a thoughtful present. The other one, it's a man scrambling to not be kicked out of his home. That's okay. Either way, the dog is loved, so I'm okay with this. (laughs) So, Darling is so excited to get Lady. And there's the happy scene where she's like, oh, you know, she's so excited. And then you see Jim Deere and Darling, and they're trying to teach Lady where to sleep. She's got a little bed in the kitchen, it looks like. They've got some newspaper out and some water, a water dish and everything. And they're like, this is where you sleep. Quick uh, little aside. Uh, From watching the scene as a kid, I did not know what the newspaper was for because I did not grow up in a household with a dog. So you thought like she just had to read at night. (laughs) Lady just needed to know what was going on in the world. You know, some current events. Lady, you were just born, but you need to know what's happening right now. Well, maybe I thought that it was more just like, oh, the floor is going to be cold. So like, here's a little, you know, mat for you to put your feet on (laughs) when you get out of bed. (laughs) So they, they put Lady in her bed and they tuck her in. And then they leave out of this kitchen swinging door that they have. And they're like, all right, lady, you stay here. We're going to sleep. Well, lady immediately gets up and follows them out the door. And Jim Deere's like, no, no, no. And he puts her back and he's like, stay. And he walks out again. She follows him. Then they do it again. But then she's learned to open the door. And then he puts a chair in front of the door. She pushes the chair out of the way. Eventually what happens is 
lady makes it up to their bedroom. She gets up on their bed and you see it cut to the future. She never gets off the bed. They're like, this is the one night you're going to sleep on the bed. And she's still sleeping on the bed as she's a grown adult. Yeah. So then now lady's grown up. We, we find out some character says it's like six months later or something. And she's fully grown. She You see her go through her normal daily routine. She runs outside. She scares the birds. She chases away the most evil looking rat I've ever seen in my life. It's got glowing orange eyes. It's creepy. She grabs the newspaper as it goes flying through the air from the newspaper boy. And then this is the part that made me laugh so hard. She grabs the newspaper and she can't. It's like that thing where the dog has a stick and he can't get it through the space. She can't get the newspaper through the space. So she goes through the dog door backwards, but she rips the newspaper as she's bringing it in. And you, all you hear is Jim Darling go, you know, ever since we got Lady, those startling headlines just aren't there anymore because he's looking through a newspaper with holes in it. <laughs> So Jim takes uh, some of his coffee and then he pours it into Lady's saucer and then Darling just hands her a donut and she just like dips it in the saucer and just eats a coffee dipped donut. Well, because she's part of the family. Yeah. this That's one thing I do with my coffee. I like to get a plain donut and just dunk it into the coffee like a Dunkin' Donut. And uh, I don't know, it makes me feel like I'm in the 1930s when I do that. I would really like it if Dunkin' Donuts sponsored our podcast. That would be great. I would definitely switch to coffee and donuts. Could it be like donut you wish upon a star? Coffee you donut Donut. upon my my donut hole. Wine you coffee a donut in my mouth. So then it shows uh, some time later because they're saying, well, now she's a part of the family. We got to get her a license. And so it flashes forward. Darling is putting a collar on her, saying, you've got a license, and now you have a very fancy collar. And so she goes out to show off to her friends. Uh, She's got a couple dogs in the neighborhood that she's good friends with. The first one that we see is Jock. And Jock is a little black Scottish terrier. And we see him, and he's humming to himself and kind of singing. But he's singing that one song about the highlands and taking the high road and the low road, except he's changed the lyrics to be all about the beautiful backyard. And he buries a bone in a stash of bones. There's like seven bones in there. And he's really proud of it. And when Lady finds him, he's like trying to hide it. It's his own little stash. But he's real happy to see her. And then uh, they say, oh, he says, oh, well, you've got a really great uh, collar. Let's go show Trusty. So they go to the other house. That's the neighbor. Wait, trusty? Trusty. Oh my gosh, in my notes, I wrote Krusty the whole time. <laughs> I thought his name was Krusty this entire movie. His name was Trusty? Trusty. Oh man. No, I thought they said Krusty the whole time. I thought oh. it was like Krusty the police dog. We got a whole Alice situation here. Oh, uh, don't Alice situation me. <laughs> Alice they said <and> George. Krusty. <laughs> his name is Trusty. Oh, that's not true. It's Trusty. Whatever. They go to meet trusty at his house which i noticed looks exactly like the haunted mansion like it's got the columns and everything even when they're on oh, his porch it did it kind of looks like the oh the, like the line area when it has a reverse angle so he lives at the haunted mansion and uh he's an old bloodhound and he's like sniffing in his in his sleep there's a caterpillar that jumps off of his nose and so while he's sleeping he's like sleep sniffing like trying to follow the caterpillar and as he's doing this Jock explains to Lady that he has actually lost his sense of smell. And as he explains that, 
he just goes right over the caterpillar because the caterpillar jumps into a little hole just to demonstrate. Yeah, he you know he still has kind of the muscle memory, but he doesn't know how to track anything anymore. So we meet her two friends, and then we cut back to the house, and Darling and Jim Deer are sitting there with in their chairs, and ladies in the middle, and Jim Deer is just saying how now that they have Lady, they don't see how anything could take their place in their hearts and their life is just so happy foreshadowing (laughs) and from that scene we go to the train yard tramp lives at the train yard he sleeps in a little cozy little barrel he drinks from a uh a train water tank and uses it as a shower as well and he's like "Ah, i feel all refreshed i'm gonna go find some breakfast and he just wanders around the neighborhood and he looks at the butcher shop and he's like, ah, I've already been there. And then he looks at the French pastry place and he says, oh, it's, it's good. It's too starchy. Yeah, too, too starchy too in starchy. the morning. <laughs> and then he sees Tony's and he says, oh, yeah, Tony's. Yeah, that's where I'm going to go. So he goes to the back area of Tony's restaurant where we meet Joe. He's not named there, but this is Joe. He is sort of the head cook of Tony's. Yeah, we find his name out later. And Tony is singing this song about what a wonderful day it is. It's a beautiful day to make a pizza. (laughs) (laughs) And when the tramp shows up, he calls him Butch. Yeah, they named him Butch. And says, oh, you want some breakfast? Okay, go long. And he throws a bone and tramp takes it and just starts gnawing on it. And he's just living the life. While tramp is chewing on his bone, he starts to hear some howling. And so he goes and looks and sees... Uh, the dog catcher's wagon and the dog catcher's wandering around and he's whistling the song oh where oh where has my little dog gone (laughs) which is kind of strange yeah it's a little odd (laughs) because he's trying to imprison and eventually kill all the dogs tramp finds a couple of his friends in there there's an english bulldog and a pekingese and he opens up the lock and they run away. As soon as the dog catcher sees them escaping, he bites the dog catcher, and then he runs away. Well, he just kind of bites at his ankles. He doesn't bite him. Yeah, he just he's kind just of pulls on him. his leg so that his friends get a chance to get away, and then he can get away. But he he takes the dog catcher on kind of a chase around town, and he ends up running into Snob Hill, which is what he calls the area where Lady's family lives. And it's all the nice houses, and he's like, there's a fence around every tree and a leash on every dog. Like, He's like, this is the worst. He's like, society, am I right? (laughs) We see Jock. He comes walking into Lady's yard, and he's just going, lassie, lassie, because he's Scottish, get it? And Trusty's coming, and he says, Miss Lady, ma'am. And uh, they find Lady, and she's really really upset she's just kind of sitting in a patch of shadow and they ask her what's wrong and she's like i don't know i've i i've done something horribly horribly wrong and i don't even know what it is and so she starts explaining the events of the past couple days and so first of all jim comes home doesn't play with her and runs up to darling and says are you okay are you okay well he says he's like he goes running inside normally we saw a scene where jim deer stops at the door plays with lady for a little bit then goes inside to see darling and he runs right past lady doesn't stop to see her and then goes inside and says oh how are you in your condition Uh, i'm so worried about you all day long you shouldn't be home alone in your condition and you can't possibly walk that dog in your condition 
So he says that dog and Lady like freaks out because she's been referred to as that dog. And the other dogs understand this. This is almost like a slur to them where both of them are just like, oh, I am so sorry. Nobody means to say those words. They were like, well, maybe they were just angry or something. And then she's like, then she goes on to tell about how she, it got to be the afternoon and she usually takes an afternoon walk with Darling. She grabbed her leash. She went to Darling and Darling's like, I can't possibly take you on a walk and takes her leash, puts it on the table. So then she brings a ball and Darling's like, not today, lady, and sets the ball down. But in doing that, she drops her ball of yarn that she's working on. And Lady grabs the yarn and tries to play with it. And Darling ends up kind of swatting her on the butt. And Lady said, like, it didn't hurt, but she's never done that before. I must have done something horribly wrong. And she gets really sad. Well, during that scene, the, the reason why she has a ball of yarn is because she's knitting little baby booties. And so from the two scenes, you kind of put it together as the audience. that The dogs didn't put it together, or that lady didn't put it together, that they're expecting a baby now. Like right. she had gone to the doctor. She's in a condition. She's pregnant. And the reason why she doesn't want to play is because she's focusing on making these little baby clothes. Right. And so then Jock and Trusty, they, they say like, oh, we know what's going on. And they're like, how do we put this? Trustees are saying like, well, the birds and the bees. And Jock's like, no, no, no. And he starts like on another avenue. They keep trying to figure out how to explain it to her. And then they realize they're like, well, uh, she's having a baby. And Lady's like, what's a baby? They start explaining a baby in the most roundabout way with the strangest details. But it's definitely the sort of things that a dog would understand. Like they say, they're these little soft creatures and they walk around on four legs and they're very, very expensive. So you can't play with them. Yeah, you're not allowed to play with it at all. (laughs) So as they're talking about what, you know, what a baby is, Tramp comes by and he sees these other dogs because he's just looking around to see like, I wonder what the other dogs are doing in this neighborhood. And so he wanders right into the conversation and says, basically, once a baby shows up, the dog doesn't mean anything. And your life is going to be horrible from now on. He paints a horror picture of what a baby is. He's like, you know that happy home you've got? Say goodbye. And Jock gets all mad at him. He's like, that's not true. And he chases him out. But as Jock kind of chases Tramp out, Tramp's like, humans only have so much room in their hearts. And when the baby moves in, the dog moves out. And that's kind of the last thing you hear in that scene. So then you see Jim and he's putting up boy baby stuff in the nursery. So all this like Yale stuff and baseball. Meanwhile, you see Darling and she's writing out baby girl names on a piece of paper. And Jim's like, so you can't possibly tell what (laughs) sex it will be. He's looking at a calendar and you think you're going to see like, oh, well, we'll find out when the babies do. And he flips through to April and he just stammers for a moment and just circles the whole month. Like he's like, it'll be here. We go for we start flashing forward. We see the calendar days there, the calendar months dropping. And once it gets to January, there's a horrible snowstorm outside. And you just see from Lady's point of view as Jim is still in his pajamas and he's putting on an overcoat and he opens the door and he's blown back by the wind. And as soon as he before he like leaves, he just yells upstairs. Now, you're sure you want watermelon, darling? <laughs> And she says, yeah, oh, and, and chop suey. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. okay. And, and ventures out into the out storm. And pushes out into the storm. It's hysterical. And a lot of these scenes between Jim 
Jim Deere and Darling made no sense at all to me whatsoever as a kid. But now I understand like, oh, yeah, the cravings and... Oh, gosh. <laughs> and then you see a baby shower and all the women are are fawning over darling like i've never seen a more beautiful pregnant woman oh you're just ravishing you look beautiful and then you see the guy's room and they're like oh you've never looked so terrible oh she's sending you out in the middle of the night huh and it's you see it all from ladies perspective so she's just being ignored going from one room to the next but it's pretty funny hearing the dialogue the big day comes Jim is running around the house yelling, it's a boy, it's a boy. And then you see the feet of the doctor going out. He says, Doc, did you hear it's a boy? And the doctor's like, yeah, I know. And then he leaves, (laughs) which I never really considered that, that that was a normal thing back then. People giving birth at home. Well, yeah, because the entire movie, you see like horse-drawn carriages. The phones are all crank phones when they're using them. And the doctor comes to the house for them to give birth. So the baby's here, and Lady starts seeing baby stuff everywhere. And Lady can't figure out from all the stuff that's laying around what a baby is. So she decides to venture upstairs. She has this song. It's a, it's really interesting because it's she's very trepidatious about actually meeting the baby because of all the horror stories that she had heard. And so she kind of has this dialogue slash song of what it called what what is a baby. And so she's slowly going up the stairs. It looks like a horror movie because there's just these long shadows as she's slowly walking up. Uh, Meanwhile, Jim is just running around. Running up and down the (laughs) stairs just constantly. And he's not paying any attention to her. And so she thinks it's kind of her worst fears imaginable coming true. And so she finally goes into the room and it's this, it almost looks like a stained glass window of the mother with the baby. And she's singing a lullaby. Yeah. And it's just beautiful and glorious and really serene. And she's just kind of like taking a slow step in little, little by little. She even like gets up close to the crib and like gets up on her hind legs as it's rocking. It's really cute. Because she wants to see what's inside. As soon as she puts her paws on the crib, Jim just walks up and puts a hand up and she just she just hunkers down and then he just grabs her and puts her close to the baby. Well, because she thinks she's being told to stop and then Jim goes like, no, 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 and he picks her up so she can see what the baby is and they pull back the covers and it's this tiny little baby. And she goes from being really confused to a little bit weirded out to just totally in love. And you instantly see her fall in love with this baby. In that moment, you see Lady become the protector of this baby. Jim Darling sets her back down. Oh, sorry. Jim Deere (laughs) sets her back down. And Lady puts her paws up on the crib. And you see Jim and Darling pet her at the same time as the baby's laying there. And Lady realizes there's love in their heart for for both Lady and the baby. And it's this really beautiful shot when they pull back of Lady and the baby and... Jim Deere and Darling. It's really sweet. We see the role of protector cemented in the following scene because it flashes forward to some time later where Jim Deere and Darling are leaving for a trip. It's probably the first trip they've had alone without the baby for a long time. Well, because even Darling's like, we can't possibly leave. (laughs) She says she feels guilty leaving because she's got a newborn baby and they have to go on this trip. 
as they're packing up everything, they're about to head down the stairs, and Lady just runs in front of them and starts snarling at them. Yeah, she glares at them and snarls at them. And they, Jim says, what, what's wrong with you, Lady? And Darling says exactly what's happening. She thinks we're abandoning the baby, and she's really upset with us. So they have to kind of explain And Lady even kind of nods like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so they explain to her, we're just going to be leaving for a few days. Don't worry, we'll be back. And she, she seems to understand and walks them out. Well, as they get downstairs, the doorbell rings. It's Aunt Sarah, who's an idiot. Aunt Sarah has arrived to babysit. She kind of rushes them out of the house saying, oh, go on your trip. Go, 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 go. I'm sorry I'm late. And there's not really any time for for much of an introduction. Uh, She runs upstairs and says, I have to see this baby. And so uh, Lady is accidentally gets locked outside of the front door. So she runs around the back. She goes up to the room to be by the baby's side. And Aunt Sarah freaks out and says, what is that? And freaks out that there's a dog there. She's like, this disgusting beast, and kicks her out. So when Lady goes downstairs, she passes by Aunt Aunt Sarah's luggage, where we see a pair of eyes, two pairs of eyes poking out. And out come the two Siamese cats, which is really kind of an unfortunate caricature. (laughs) Oh, hey, Disney, thanks for another super racist song. Now, I was kind of hoping that they would lean more into the fact that they were Siamese cats, but I didn't realize the lyrics of it are in horribly butchered English. Yeah, no. Definitely trying to kind of say, look how funny they are because it's like they're foreign. Yeah, no. We're just going to skip past this song, but during the song, like, the cats ruin everything. They throw water on the piano. They rip the drapes. They try they, to eat, they no, eat the bird. They successfully eat their pet bird. And almost eat the fish. But Lady saves the fish. But for all we know, they still ate the fish afterwards. It's possible. Because then at the end of the song, Lady kind of tries to get them to stop. And of course, makes a commotion. And Sarah comes running downstairs. And the cats are on their back. And pretending meowing. to be hurt. They're like, ow, 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 ow. And Lady's sitting there. She's the one who's actually hurt because the cats have hurt her. And Sarah throws her out and then ends up taking her to a pet store in order to buy a muzzle. She gets the muzzle attached to her and immediately freaks out and starts running around. Well, late. No. Start that over. Who freaks out? Because you made Sarah. it sound like Aunt Sarah Aunt freaks Sarah out and runs outside. Sarah did not want a muzzle. Yeah. She's running around you going. It sound like Aunt Sarah got muzzled. <laughs> This whole movie was about Aunt Sarah the whole time. So they go to the pet shop. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was really funny. I know we can't use any of that, but that was hysterical. You might be able to. That was super funny. Odds fish. Odds fish. (laughs) Also, Gillian said you were right. He does say odds fish. I know. I looked it up. Remember? Yeah, she looked it up too. By the way, for any of our listeners for our last episode, odds fish is an actual phrase made popular by King Charles II. (laughs) Why don't you just start with the pet store? Because of the row that happened with between Lady and the cats. Aunt Sarah takes her the following day to the pet shop so that she can get fit with a muzzle attached to a leash. Uh, The pet store owner is trying to sell her on it and attaches it to her and Lady immediately freaks out because she's standing on the counter. She starts running around the pet shop. She's knocking over everything. She runs into a parrot. 
the, the leash wraps around a birdcage on a stand. She runs outside with the thing following her, and she just runs and runs and runs. And Sarah's yelling after her, come back! While Lady is running, she runs through, starts running towards the bad side of town. Uh, she runs kind of through a junkyard, and her leash gets caught on a tangle of cans attached to strings. And so it's alerting any of the dogs surrounding of where she is. She just starts being chased by these junkyard dogs. Yeah, it's like three or four of them. And as she's running, she runs near where Tramp lives. And Tramp hears the, hears them, sees her, recognizes her, and starts running after them. Uh, they turn a corner. He knows a shortcut. So when she gets cornered and the dogs are coming straight at her, which is a very frightening shot with all the dogs approaching on well, her. Well, and she's totally muzzled. She can't even defend herself. Yeah, she can't bark. She can't do any. She can't bite or do anything. She's backed up against a fence, and Tramp just jumps right over that fence and just snarls at them, and then they get into a big fight. Most of the fight you see through shadows, shadows. on the fence and Lady's reaction, but Tramp's, he's holding himself up, you know, fighting well, three dogs at a time. three or four dogs. Like, yeah. I thought it was just three, and then this fourth dog comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And he's fighting them off. He's almost kind of having fun with it, where he's a little Peter Panish. Yeah. Well, and he wins. So the other dogs run off, and he turns around, and he remembers her, and he keeps calling her Pidge. I think that has to do with when he first went into the rich neighborhood. He talks to a couple pigeons, saying, hey, what's going on? And they fly off, and he's like, no, not much. But whenever he sees her, he starts calling her Pigeon. Well, and so he sees the muzzle, and he's like, oh, so what I said was true, and ends up saying, like, all right, let's get this muzzle off you. But he can't do it himself, because he doesn't have fingers, and I guess his teeth aren't sharp enough. So he takes her to the zoo. And by getting these two guys into a fight, like the guard and this other guy who comes out of the zoo, kind of gets them in a fight, and he gets them into the zoo, which has a strict no-dog policy. And he keeps, he starts trying to find animals that can take the muzzle off of Lady. Yeah, he first goes, they first go to the alligator. <laughs> they say to the alligator, hey, can you help with us? You can, can you help us get this off? And the alligator just like like swims up and opens up his whole mouth and he goes like, with pleasure. And he's about to chomp down on Lady's head, but Tramp pulls her back. Yeah, like he, he's about to kill her. <laughs> and Lady's like, okay. <laughs> and so after Tramp pulls her away, right behind them, they hear this laughter and it's a hyena. And the way the hyena is laughing I feel like I've heard that sound effect many, many times, usually from like Halloween decorations. It's yes. like, it's like, <laughs> like yeah, it's, it's very like familiar. the Halloween decoration laugh. <laughs> like when you see like a goblin bouncing or something. So uh, they're trying to figure out what to do. Then they hear this timber and you see the shadow of a tree falling. A tree falls and breaks the, uh, the fence right, that's right next to them. And it turns out to be the beaver dam. So they climb over the tree and they go in and they see the beaver. Uh, Mac Beaver. Mac Badger. <laughs> it's not. It's not him. But that's what I thought the whole time during this scene. <laughs> so they go and they they do this whole sort of like as seen on TV pitch. I thought it was more like a used car used car salesman yeah, pitch. Yeah, kind of like that. I mean, it's salesmanship, whatever it is. They try to convince the beaver that in order to do the job that he needs, which is to like pull a sycamore trunk all the way over to a dam, that he needs this uh, muzzle that she's wearing. And he even like says that that she's just modeling it, saying like, oh, my, my assistant here is modeling the, the, the latest version of this model and you can have it for a very low price. And so 
he's like, oh, you, and so he says, well, how do I get it off? He's like, okay, well, you just have to like bite off this part right here. And so he bites right through it. It comes off and then they're about to leave. And the beaver says, wait, wait, before I buy this, I got to see if this works. And so then they kind of explain, well, you can have it for free. I don't, I don't care. So the beaver's like, sweet. So he puts it on. <laughs> And then it actually helps him create the dam. Yeah, which it's kind of scary at first because he's pulling at it and then it starts rolling down the hill and takes him with it. It looks very dangerous. And then it almost seems like it falls on top of him in the river. But then it creates a perfect blockage and he like swims up and he's like, oh, it worked just as promised. Well, and the thing was, after it got off of Lady, she actually helps to make the sort of pitch too. And it kind of catches Tramp off guard. Like he's like, oh, she's helping me. And so they work hand in hand. Like she's kind of got a bad side too. And so then Lady and Tramp spend the whole day together. And Tramp kind of goes through and explains that he has a family for every day of the week. Yeah, because and then in in describing this, you can kind of tell like they're both actually kind of getting hungry because he starts explaining how his meals throughout the week are planned. And so one of the things like he's like, oh, I go to that house when I want to eat this. And I go to this house when I want to eat this. And he's like, the thing is that all these people think that I'm their dog, but I'm not anybody's dog. I just kind of wander in and out. Well, and it just cracks me up because he he uses a different accent to explain each meal. Like at one point he's like, and this is corned beef Tuesday (laughs) over at this house over here. But he uses like an Irish accent. Yeah, he's like, we can go there, but it's better to go there on Tuesday because that's when they have corned beef. (laughs) So Tramp ends up taking her to Tony's. Yeah, he says, oh, and you hear like a busy restaurant, the busy restaurant, but he's like, oh, I've got my own special back entrance. And so he takes her through the alley. And that's where they meet with Tony and Joe. So they show up and Tramp kind of gets Tony's attention and he comes out and he calls him Butch and he's like, oh, my favorite, you want a bone? And well, no, Joe's the one who's like, oh, you want a bone? And Tony's like, excuse me, he's on a date. This is better than a bone. Well, because he brings out Lady and shows like, oh, I'm with somebody. And, and so they're Tony's like, oh, like, oh you've no, got a new girlfriend. So yeah, the way he says it. Oh, okay. I, it's so funny whenever Tony is saying anything in the scene. It all goes by so fast. I couldn't even write down everything. But when he sees Lady, he's like, oh, you got a, a cockerel Spanish a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and so then... Um, He's, he's like, okay, oh, well, well, they're on a date. So, like, they're going to have a special thing. So they start setting up a whole thing for them and put down a menu. And he's, he's, he's just kind of rambling, talking to Joe. And he mentions something about saying, like, oh, like, about this one. And Lady looks at Tramp and says, this one? What is he talking about, this one? And Tramp's just, like, he has this kind of, like, collar-pulling sort of moment. Like, mm, no, never mind. But, like... Now, knowing, understanding, like, what's to come, I realize that he's talking about, like, this is where he takes his dates. And when they say this one, they mean, like, this, this new dog, as opposed to the other, the other girls that he's brought there. Because you find out later that Tramp's kind of a tramp. Oh, yeah. But when he lays out the table, oh, what do we see? We see a bottle of Chianti. Uh, wine you peer upon the screen. Wine you peer. Wine you Special wine you peer upon the screen. Shout out to a bottle Tony of Chianti and a bottle of Chianti in Lady and the Tramp. And nobody even drinks it the whole time. Yeah, well, it, it's kind of used as a as a candle holder. Wine you peer upon the screen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I can't wait for more instances of whiny pier upon the screen. So Tony lays out spaghetti for them, and this is where you see they're eating the spaghetti. Well, before that. Before that. Oh, rewind. <laughs> spaghetti. <laughs> Backward spaghetti. So Tony lays out the menu, and he's explaining like all the things that they have. And then he just goes back to Joe, and he just says, like, Joe, they want two meatball, like spaghetti meatball specials. And Joe says, well, how do you know he's a dog? And he's like, that dog talks it to me. <laughs> and Joe's like, okay, the dog talks to you. <laughs> so he just like, he, he's like, okay, sure. And so he like just easily just sets out like this like plate of spaghetti meatballs. They set it out there. They go back inside and immediately come back out. And Tony has an accordion and Joe has a mandolin. And they're playing the song Bella Note. At this point, I thought, well... We were introduced to the restaurant, and it sounded like it was kind of hustling and bustling inside. Who's watching the customers while the two people running the restaurant are entertaining a, two dogs in the alleyway? Yeah, it doesn't matter. The dogs are on a date. You heard Tony. The dogs are on a date. So ladies having a blast. They're eating spaghetti. They're watching Tony and Joe play music for them. They do and the then classic eating the, the kiss. The classic. They're they're each of them are looking at one of the musicians to their side, and so they like pick up a piece of spaghetti. It's the same piece of spaghetti. And they kiss. And they kiss. And Lady gets really kind of She's like, like oh. shy. And then Tramp like rolls the last meatball with his nose over to her, like here you can have this. And then you see they leave the date and they find some wet cement and they write their initials in the cement and they make paw prints. They walk through the park across a bridge by a lake in the moonlight. And they are out until and they're just enjoying each other's company. And then eventually it's morning already. And they, they have fallen asleep in the park. And Lady realizes that she's been away from her house all night and she's really worried because she's like, well, who's been watching the baby? Yeah, she's like, I, she's like, I have to get back. I have to get back to the baby. And he's like, oh, okay. And he's like, I want you to look out at the city because they're on this bluff where they can see everything. He's, and they're looking out on the town. He's like, what do you see? And she's like, oh, I see, uh, I mean, I see houses and yards and and fences. And he's like, and he says, that's exactly it. You've been raised to like see all of these things that kind of pen you in. But look out beyond that. And they showed like the view again. And there's all these rolling hills that are just sort of untouched land and he's pitching to her we can just leave we can leave the city we can just travel just two dogs against the world like in the wilderness well and she seems really tempted she seems tempted but then again she said who would watch the baby yeah and he doesn't really have an answer to that so he's kind of like all right i'll take you home yeah and he just seems resolved to that just all right that's your answer i get it but then on the way home he's like have you ever chased chickens and she's like no and He's like, let me show you how. And she's like, but don't hurt the chickens. So they end up she's chasing the like, no, we just chickens. chase them around and get them all riled up. They kind of get shot at. And you <laughs> overhear, <laughs> like, I mean, not kind of get shot at. You hear them get shot There's, at. You, there, there are significant holes made in the ground from shotgun blasts and then through the fence that they're dig under. <laughs> and so, like, Lady just, like, does not like this at all. And they start running away. And you hear the person who owns the chickens kind of, like, call the pound and as they're running tramp is running and lady gets caught by the dog catcher and tramp doesn't realize it till he's too far away and he can't help her mm-hmm. and lady gets taken to the pound and i legitimately cried during this scene and i want to adopt every dog that's in the pound and now we own 50 dogs <laughs> i'm actually not here uh i am three dogs in a suit 
good. I'm okay with this. <laughs> no, I mean, I miss you, but I also like three dogs in a suit. So the next scene is the dog pound, where uh, we're introduced to four dogs that are howling. And I thought this was really interesting because they're not just howling like dogs would howl. They are actually howling to a melody. But it's this really, really melancholy, slow version of it in four parts, too. And like you all, can the hear all the other dogs parts. are crying. And you see all the other dogs in the pens. And each of them, they look so cute. But their their tears are just flowing. It's so incredibly sad. And then they bring in Lady. And they throw her in with the dogs. Meanwhile, there's one dog who is just like the dog that they have assigned to make their escape plan. Like he's constantly, he's like a... He's like a... Uh, well, he's German. And we only know this he's because... He's like a Weimariner. Each of the dogs has an accent. Yeah. <laughs> much like the pirates yeah. in Peter Pan, whereas like each pirate had an accent. Well, also some of the dogs are voiced by the pirates, such as the fat do- bulldog is me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, they bring in Lady. All of them immediately say, oh, you're you're like, you're like a rich girl. You don't belong here. Like, what are you doing here? They, they point out her collar. They say, like, that's the most valuable thing in here. And you're probably just going to go home. Meanwhile, they see this other dog and you hear them being <gasps> carted away. And they say, where is he going? You don't even see the dog. You see the shadow. Oh, but he looks like such and a And he happy looks like dog. he's this scruffy. You see the shadow of this scruffy, happy dog. But who's he's like smiling. Marching like... along like he's going to go out to the oh park. Oh my God, I started crying. And they say, like, I legitimately started crying. And they say, where is he going? And they say, oh, he's taking the long walk. Yeah, we won't see him again. And they just take him into a room that says keep out and you just never hear from him again. Oh my gosh, I legitimately started crying. He's this like scrappy little happy dog and you're just like, no! And then immediately the German dog starts digging furiously to try to get out. To try to get out, yeah. As Lady is explaining to the other dogs how she got into the pound, she's telling them about Tramp and they're like, oh yeah, we all know Tramp. Like, he's, he's a normal. Yeah, he's famous around here. He's always avoiding uh, avoiding capture. Yeah, they're like, somehow he's never been caught, but all of us have been caught. And then they start kind of going into what a womanizer he is. They list all of his girlfriends. <laughs> all of his girlfriends. Every <laughs> single one of them. And they start talking about, like, there was this one, there was Trixie, there was this and that. And then they, like, turn to the Chihuahua and say, didn't he date your sister for a while? <laughs> and then... Chihuahua with a heavy Mexican accent is like, oh, yeah, <laughs> my sister, Santa Maria, Chiquita Banana. Yeah. It's... <laughs> like Chihuahua. <laughs> it's like a really long name. <laughs> so then one of the other girl dogs that's in the pound sings a song called He's a Tramp, which is that well-known song. Yeah. Isn't that Peggy Lee that sings that? Well, yeah, because Peggy Lee wrote all most of these songs. Well, I know, but and she... Then, but that, it, that is her voice as the as the speaking and singing voice i think the dog's name is even peg i think they even call peg? her peg okay and uh this is one of the dogs that actually the tramp rescued in the very beginning right well she ended up getting caught still yeah, she ended up getting caught still. so then at the end of that song lady they come in and they're like oh lady your family's already here to get you and so we see ladies taken home and the thing is we find that lady is now in the yard and she's chained up and she's put in a dog house this is one of the scenes where I got kind of confused because she's really sad, obviously, and she just had gone through a whole thing with being in the pound. But Jock and Trusty are co- are on their way to see her. And they are kind of speaking to each other, saying, like, we have to be very cautious with how we say this. But basically, 
the best thing right now for Lady is matrimony. Yeah, it was and so super she, odd. And so she's either going to choose you or me. So let's just make sure that whichever one she chooses, we're still going to be friends, right? Well, okay, and so <laughs> Joey immediately during this hits the remote on the TV and he's like, <gasps> she's pregnant? Yeah. Like, as it- if she, this like night she spent with the tramp, like she's now pregnant? And that's why they want to marry her? To, like, make her an honest lady? That's what it sounds like. Because this is the kind of conversation that happens in a lot of, like, things in the 1950s where, like, it wasn't proper for there to be an unmarried woman with children. And so if there was a woman who found out she was pregnant, sometimes a man who would be sort of a bachelor would say, I don't care who the father is. It's not going to be good to the neighborhood if you... If you have a child and you're by yourself, everyone's going to think you're a floozy. So I'm going to marry you. Like, it was a common thing in the mid-50s. In in movies. I don't mean like, I was there. Like, I can attest to that. <laughs> but in movies from the 50s, that's kind of one of those weird, you know, like in soap operas when they have, like, amnesia or a twin. Like, in movies and literature, sometimes it was just like, okay, well, I have to marry you so that it doesn't look weird when you have a kid. But it's, like, really odd because she's not really, like, they don't really talk about like her having puppies or anything yeah it's not mentioned because we're saying like well let's let's just keep playing and see if it happens and before they get into any details of it the tramp shows up yeah so the tramp walks in and And they all shun him yeah they they refuse to talk to him and jock and trusty even try to throw him out like offer to throw him out and lady basically says like no i can throw him out myself and so they walk away and lady basically tells him like i know about all your girlfriends i know who you are and you need to leave and for once ever we see tramp totally speechless like he can't he doesn't have anything to back up his behavior he doesn't have anything to back up his girlfriend and or his multiple girlfriends and he leaves like with his tail between his legs there's nothing he can do well, one of the things that brings about Lady's big speech to him is he's trying to make light of the situation, saying, oh, hey, I heard you got to the pound, but, you know, it was too late before I could do anything about it, so I, I hope you're feeling okay. And he, like, calls her Trick, and that's what kind of sets her off. And she's like, Trick? Are you kidding me? Trick? And then that's when she starts laying out all of the things that he has done, like all of his girlfriends and everything like that. Meanwhile, in the background, you just see the lightning flash. And that is the onset of the storm. Yeah, so that happens. it starts raining. She's in her doghouse with she's this chained big to chain, her. and she's sad. And she forces Tramp to leave. And you see, she's kind of crying. And then all of a sudden, the evil rat—that evil rat from the beginning—that was like the ugliest, most evil rat you've ever seen. He like lives in the backyard back. woodpile, and he just starts wandering. He climbs up the side of the house and goes into the open baby Well, because she window. can't chase him. She's <laughs> yeah. chained to this doghouse, so she can't chase him. So she's barking like crazy. And Aunt Sarah opens up the other bedroom window and just tells her to shut up, closes the window, and Lady can't get to the rat, and the rat has crawled into the baby's bedroom. So Tramp must not have been too far away, and he comes running back, and he's like, what's wrong? And she's like, the rat has crawled into the baby baby's window. And she's like, he's like, okay, how do I get in there? So he goes into the house. He goes into the baby's room, and he starts fighting the rat. This is where <laughs> our proportions get a little off. He's fighting this rat, and like Tramp is like a good sized dog. Like I put him as like 
like 30 pounds maybe yeah, maybe 50 pounds i mean he looks like he he's could a, be a good size dog because cocker spaniels are not the smallest dogs yeah and he's big he's much bigger than lady mm-hmm. okay this rat is like half the size that tramp is so this is like a 15 or a 20 pound rat the way i related to it was um we had seen his size in proportion to the giant plate of spaghetti and meatballs the rat is twice the size of the plate of spaghetti and meatballs. Like, this is legitimately, like, a 30-pound rat that has snuck into this, this rat house. rat is bigger than most cats. Like, it was bigger than the two Siamese cats put yes. together. So he's running around this room, and this is where it, it gets a little hazy as far as the proportions. It, it, it almost seems like it's more of, like, a mental sort of scene. Because, like, the room it has just all these amorphous shapes and blobs where he's running around in this, like undefined space the rat's kind of winning in this fight because it's the rat's like biting him a few times he gets like one or two bites off the rat the rat like squeaks like a squeak toy yeah at one point when tramp bites him like he squeaks like Like, a squeak toy he's like like. so lady eventually breaks free of the doghouse and well because she just ends up pulling so so hard hard. she breaks the chain she runs into the house uh as she runs into the room the uh, rat has is almost into the baby's crib and Tramp like slams up against it to knock the, the rat off. Meanwhile, the baby's crib full on turns over on its side. Yeah. Like it's on the floor. The baby's crying. Lady runs immediately to the baby and immediately makes sure that the baby is okay. Kind of like guards the baby, watches the baby. Meanwhile, Tramp is still fighting with this billion pound rat. <laughs> And they kind of disappear behind the furniture, and then the music kind of comes to a stop, and Tramp limps out. And he's got, like, one one of his front legs is just looks like it's really hurt badly. He survived the fight. Well, because it implies that Tramp killed the 6,000-pound <laughs> <Yeah>. rat. <laughs> but not without losing, like, a chunk of his arm. <laughs> At this point, Aunt Sarah hears what happens, comes running in from the other room, sees the baby carriage knocked over or the baby crib knocked over tramp and lady in there and thinks that the dogs did it i mean this one it's legit it looks like the dogs did (laughs) it so she grabs a broom because they look really proud because they killed the rat she pushes tramp into the closet and closes the door and then grabs lady by the chain and starts pulling her downstairs and immediately calls animal control to get tramp so when the dog catcher shows up to the house, that's the exact moment that Jim Deere and Darling are coming <gasps> home from their trip. It's so awful. <laughs> the dog catcher is throwing Tramp into the dogmobile as Jim Dar- Jim Deere and Darling show up. And they're like, oh, yeah, there's been a dog attack on a baby. And they're like, what? <laughs> My baby. And Meanwhile, Aunt Sarah is telling the dog catcher, like, you know, you have to do what's best and put this dog down right away. And the dog catcher's like, oh, don't worry. We've been chasing this guy for a while. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> so it's like, okay, so now Tramp is uh, on his way to die. So Jim and Darling go running into the house and they're like, oh my God, our baby, our baby. And the baby's fine. And they're like, there must be some mistake. Like, Lady would never do this. Lady starts barking at them and they're saying, what's wrong, Lady? What's wrong? And so they start following her. So she keeps like running up the stairs, then barking at them, then running to the room and then barking. And Darling is saying, Lady knows something. She's trying to show us something. And so then she directs them to where the rat carcass is. The 100,000 pound (laughs) rat carcass. 
So you don't see it because it's like behind a sheet. But once they pull it up, all three of the humans are just like, oh, gross. And Sarah, Aunt Sarah is like super apologetic (laughs) to to Lady. So while that's happening, Jock and Trusty are just sitting on the porch. They've seen what happened on the outside of the house. But as Tramp is being walked away to the paddy wagon, they're just saying, well, I knew he was a bad guy from the start. I knew he wasn't to be trusted. I knew, I knew, I knew. But they were like, but we never thought he would attack a baby. So then once it's discovered that there's a giant rat, they just say, oh, I feel so bad. I, I was wrong about him. We were both wrong about him. We need to stop the carts from getting to the pound. And they go running after the carriage. And this is where Trusty's like, I'm going to smell it out. And Jock's like, oh. <laughs> He's like, let's be real. He stops him at a moment. He's like, let's be real. This sense died out a long time like, ago. Like, you don't have any sense of smell. And Trusty's like, Trusty Ugh! just huffs at him. just And hmm. glares at him yeah. and is like, and takes off running. And they get to like a puddle of water. And Trusty like smells through the water and anything. And they get to the paddy wagon. Yeah. So they, they run after it. Trusty is like barking at the horses. That well, he scares the, the horse. He's scaring them until they kind of rear up and then veer off the road and hit an electrical pole. And they flip the paddy wagon. Yeah. And so Tramp gets out. And then, of course, at that time, Jim and Darling show up as well with Lady. So they're like, no, 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 we're going to take Tramp. But then you cut to the front of the paddy wagon. Trusty is like under, under the, the wheel. wheel. And Jock is trying to wake him up, and he's not waking up. And Jock, Jock, Jock just starts, starts crying. crying. I'm starting to cry. I know. <laughs> I started crying too. I was like, no. <laughs> no. Trusty will not be dead. So then it very quickly goes to the following Christmas. And well, at the time, we were just like, no, 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 no. And then it just goes to Christmas. And But also, I was thinking, the baby was born in April. This could be the following Christmas. It could be the following one. Yeah, the following Christmas, so it would only be like six months old. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, it's the Christmas following the first Christmas when Lady Right, so this movie yeah. takes place over a year. Over a year, yeah. Krusty, no, Trusty, is possibly dead. And we're at Christmas. <laughs> it's just like, haha, it's Christmas. And Tramp has been adopted into the Jim Deere family. And they're, they're all taking a Christmas picture with three baby Cocker Spaniels and one baby Mutt. And it's like all of the Cocker Spaniels are girls and the one Mutt is a boy. Which we find out in the sequel, his name is Scamp. Yeah. Tramp and Scamp. And they're taking a picture with the tiny bee. Well, he's now like a six-month-old or a nine-month-old. Like he's, yeah. he's old enough to kind of sit. And that's about it. He's sitting up. So they're and taking see, a family picture and then they, you know, it's Well, you it's see, just a Tramp Christmas has thing. his his license yeah. and his his collar. Lady was just like, it looks nice on you. And he's like, yeah, whatever. I like it. <laughs> and so after everybody finishes opening presents, you hear kind of a sound out on the porch. And Jim and Darling are like, oh, you have visitors. And you look out on the porch and Jock is standing there. In a beautiful sweater. It's a plaid sweater because yeah. he's Scottish. And then up walks Trusty. <laughs> and he's got a little cast on his leg. And they just like, they invite them in. Just like, come on in, fellas. And they bring him in. And they're like, oh, lady, you can take your guests in the sitting room. We'll grab the cookies that Aunt Sarah sent you. <laughs> yeah. Like Aunt Sarah specifically <laughs> sent dog cookies for Christmas. It was so cute. So uh, 
Trusty comes in and he starts telling a story. And this is a gag that had been started earlier through the whole thing where he starts telling a story about his grandfather saying, this reminds me of something. My grandfather, his, he was also on the force and his name was Old Reliable. And he always told me this story and he always gets interrupted. Well, because they're like, we know you told us. <laughs> so he's, he sits all of them down and he starts telling the story like to the puppies, to the puppies saying like, it's just like Old Reliable always told me. Uh, and he's like forgotten the <laughs> like, story. I uh, I don't remember. <laughs> and then it just fades. And then they, it, it camera starts panning away from the house, and it's all snowy again. And titles come up. The end. It's just a really cute story. It's really cute. It's really sweet. I didn't remember most of the things that happened in this. And then of course there were things that uh, as a child I had no capacity of understanding (laughs) like all the pregnancy stuff for the humans and the dogs i feel like everyone needs to go watch that movie right away yeah i just very much enjoyed it i the the wine was enjoyable the movie was enjoyable yeah like it was just a great way to spend the afternoon i got i got no complaints no complaints you got no complaints but would you like some fun facts That was the full capacity of my lungs. Uh, please hit me with mo- some fun facts. <laughs> right. So um, one of the things that they did to maintain a dog's perspective on the film, as you might have noticed, is uh, they most of most of the time did not show any of the humans' faces. Only once in a while when they're like looking directly up at them. Oh, yeah. So like with Jim Deere and Darling, you mainly see them from the waist down through most of it. Sometimes even just their ankles. And not only that, but the people who were painting the backgrounds um, to kind of help them figure out like what a dog's perspective is, they built models of the Darling House rooms and then took pictures from like the very floor. And then that's how they painted the backgrounds. So that it wasn't like from up above. It was like from a very, very low perspective. Hmm. Here's another fun fact. Ooh. Earlier today, we were, uh, we were getting spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah, we were. And I turned to you and said, I got a fun fact about spaghetti and meatballs. Ooh, yes, you did. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to hear about your fun fact while I'm eating spaghetti and meatballs. So here's a fun fact. So like I said, the, the movie takes place around 1909. At the time, uh, meatballs were not actually very common Italian food. And the ooh. reason why was because in Italy, beef was very, very expensive. Okay. And so even to have ground beef to put into ball form was very rare. It was only when the Italians were emigrating into America and the process of uh, butchering became a lot more industrialized that uh, meatballs became more of a thing because ground beef became more and more available. It was cheaper. It was cheap to make. So there is a possibility that Tony and Joe were among the first restaurateurs to have ever made spaghetti and meatballs. (laughs) (laughs) And they gave it to two dogs that were on a date. two dogs. (laughs) So yeah, this is an origin story for spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> that is the <laughs> That's main the key reason. thing you should take away from this movie. So remember how you were saying about how Trusty showed up at the end and you felt really good and happy that he survived? Yeah. That was not the original intent. No! They added that in because when Disney saw the original cut where Trusty didn't show up at the end, he was horrified and said, yeah. do you want another Bambi riot on your hands? Right. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> So therefore, also Bambi riot. That people were so upset about Bambi's mother being killed, and they said, "You're gonna do that again." 
people are going to be really upset at you guys. And they said, okay, okay, we'll bring him back at the end. Yeah. You better <laughs> bring him back at the end. So you threw a little shade at me picking either the widescreen or the standard. <laughs> no, I just made fun of you because it was ridiculous. So here's the reason why. This is the first feature-length animated movie to ever be made in widescreen, oh. which is in the aspect ratio of 2.55 to 1, meaning that like for every one uh, unit that the screen is tall, it's two and a half times as wide. Uh-huh. So that was CinemaScope. That was becoming very famous at the time. Uh, a lot of filmmakers were kind of back and forth on it. It's kind of like IMAX screens now, where mm-hmm. people are saying, is that really necessary? But then some filmmakers are saying, well... It gives it like this majesty that you don't have in just having like a regular size screen. Well, they animated the movie to CinemaScope proportions, which is one of the reasons why it's like kind of spread out where you have like characters like doing stuff on one side of the screen where something else is happening on the other. But when they were about to finish the movie, Disney discovered that most theaters can't show CinemaScope, only like really, really big theaters. So they made an edited version that fit on a four by three screen. Wait, like edited, like they changed the format or they edited out scenes? Like they changed the screen size and in places where characters were too far to the right or left, they had to like push them into the screen more. So they had to make another version. So it's not a thing where nowadays if there's a widescreen movie that shows on TV or like a four by three screen, they have to do this thing called pan and scan where they make a digital sort of like camera going back and forth over a wider screen. But... In this, they actually had to make two versions of the movie. Wow. I mean, like, a lot of your fun facts are interesting, but I feel like I actually learned something (laughs) with that fun fact. Yeah. Wow, that's really odd. So, yeah, those are my facts. All right. Those are are some pretty solid facts this week, kid. (laughs) Well, uh, final thoughts. Uh, Final thoughts, I want a dog. Oh, my God, I want a dog so bad. (laughs) I wrote in this note... Uh, literally in my notes, I wrote, we, uh, mom thinks she's getting, she's getting something else, but she gets a puppy, which is hands down the best gift anyone can ever give someone. I wish I could have a dog for my birthday. I want a dog so bad. That's a note that I wrote. I'm reading it word for word. My birthday's coming up. I want a dog and I want it from the pound and I want to love it. And I want a dog. My other thought was, um, after the movie, we watched some of the special features that showed like some trailers that came out around the time of the restored DVD. But then one of the things on it was just an advertisement for Disney World, which just showed two dogs <gasps> on a date. Oh my gosh. <laughs> live action. Oh my god, this live action dog takes this other dog on a date, and he's like, they're going through all this stuff at Disney World, and they're like having like, this great time. They're on time. the teacups, and they're watching the fireworks. And, and then, then they are about uh, to eat spaghetti together. They're about to do the whole And the boy thing. dog goes in for a they kiss. He goes in for a kiss. And then you see him bump his nose on a window because he's staring out of a house window at another dog being walked across the street. So they're not actually on a date. <laughs> and, and I legitimately cried. I cried <laughs> because these two dogs couldn't go on a date to Disney World. I cried. <laughs> this is more than 10 years ago. Those dogs are both probably dead. And I cried oh over gosh. two dogs that didn't get to go on a date. <laughs> Back in 2002. (laughs) Well, this has been an emotional... I need more dogs. This has been an emotional episode of Wine You Wish Upon a Star. Join us next month as we watch (laughs) Sleeping Beauty. I need more dogs. Which has a lot fewer dogs. I need more dogs. And on that note. And on that note, cheers. Cheers.